Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. Well, we've been learning about, we've been learning about, I'm going to use this mic. Is that all right, Robin? So I can use both my hands. We've been learning about prayer and about what prayer is and, and all of that. And, uh, I want to read you the scripture before we get in any farther about uh, about what the scripture that we've been basing the, the prayer school on. Ephesians chapter six says this. I want to read it to you in verse 10. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to take stand against the devil's schemes or attacks. For, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces and evil in, 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 of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes... You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, you stand firm. When the belt of truth, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet shod with the preparation of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the, the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In verse 18 says this, praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. One, one version says, this says requests. The other version says supplications. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And he says in verse 19, pray for me. So the purpose of when we pray is that we put on the full armor of God. And that's your choice. That's not something that comes when you become a Christian. You have to daily put on the armor of God. And like I said last week, when you put on the armor of God, that's a, the, especially the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation. Those are three parts of the six parts that you put on for your feet ever hit the ground. You put those on. And then, and then God gives you that choice to do that. We, we also learn in James chapter five, where he said that, that if there be any, he said, said, the, if they're being sick among you, let them call for the elders of church, pray the prayer of faith, anointing them with oil, and that they may be healed. And if they have any sins, let them confess their sins one to another, that they may be forgiven. He said, the effectual fervent prayer, that's what I want to pray. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, if I put, if I put on the right, right, the right breastplate of righteousness, if I do that every day, and I understand that that comes when I get saved. You, you don't get any more righteousness. And I, I've been, so we have church here, Bible study on, or this before prayer on Tuesday night. Then we have church on Wednesday night. Then I have a Bible study at my home every Thursday night. And so I, I go back on Thursday and I preach this. I teach this to all the people that come. Sometimes we have 20, sometimes we have 60, sometimes we have 15, dismat, and we, everybody brings food, and we have fellowship, and we sing. I got all my guitars set up in the living room, and we, we sing. 
But something the Lord spoke to me, and I don't know if I said it last week, but he spoke to me on Thursday. When you get saved, you receive all the righteousness you're ever going to get. When you accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus, that's why we are the, the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you accept Jesus, you're in, you can't do nothing to get in more right standing with God than get saved. You can't, you, somebody said, well, I've got to learn to live holy. That won't make you any more righteous. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. It's, it's, it, you know, it doesn't matter, it, it doesn't matter what you do, you, you know. One time uh, we were singing in, and this may be crazy, but this was what really true. We were singing in Key West, Florida at this First Assembly of God Church, and all we knew at that time, everywhere we went, we went, we traveled from South Dakota to Key West, Florida to Eugene, Oregon. We traveled all over the United States and we traveled 11 months out of the year. We never went home. So we wore, we wore coats and ties and cause you didn't know what we went to the first assembly of God church in Key West, Florida. We show up and the preacher shows up in shorts and a t-shirt. So he said, y'all might be a little overdressed. So he didn't say we had to go take our coats and ties off and everything. Well, then people started coming to church in their bathing suits. I was freaked out by that. But I realized that their culture was not my culture. You understand? We don't got no water in West Texas. So bathing suits are not a common thing. You know, you just walk around in. But but in their culture, and they have the whole Atlantic Ocean, you know, and so they would, and the pastor was glad that people would go, the church was right on the beach. So he was glad people would come to church and then go spend the day at the beach because he wanted, it was about the people. It was not about what they dressed. So my dressing up didn't make me more righteous. My wearing a tie didn't make me more in right standing. There's area, and I want to say this tonight because it's really true. If, if you go, if you, and I want to say this i just feel like the lord telling me to say it if you need a million dollar loan to start a business it'd be wise to dress like the people in the bank not the people on the beach you understand that'd be wisdom that'd help you not that not that that would make you any more righteous but some people will say well pastor maybe the devil didn't want me or the devil's trying to stop me from getting that loan no maybe maybe you just didn't listen to the holy spirit because they a professional don't dress like that you understand? They're not, they're not dressing like that. And so, but anyway, I, I just want to say that, that, uh, that as, we, as we learn to pray, we, have to, we put on the righteousness of God when we get saved. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then we learn that the, when we put our peace on our feet, the shoes of peace, we are stabilized in any storm. If you remember Ephesians, it says you put on the armor so that you can stand in the days, the evil day, not days, the evil day. That means the day you get attacked, the day you get a bad report, you can either weep and moan and, or you can get on your knees and begin to, I don't, I'm not saying somebody said, well, pastor, every time I get attacked, I just lift my hands and start shouting, praising the Lord. That's great. I don't do that. I get on my knees and pray and I ask God to intervene. That's what I do. And, and I'm telling you, and that's what God said to do in this situation, to pray. 
He said, put on the armor of God so that you pray. And you get your feet shod with the preparation of peace so that you're stabilized. You're stabilized so the winds, because have you ever heard somebody say to you when you're going through a rough patch, they'll say, you know, God's got you back. Or they'll say, maybe you're supposed to go through that. Uh, you'll be down at the altar and somebody will say, let go, just let it all go. And the next person comes up and says, hold on, hold on, just hold on. That gets confusing. You know what I mean? And, and really, with all honesty, if I can just, I'm obeying the Lord here, not everybody needs to be praying. Sometimes I've, as a pastor, I've got up here to pray. People come pray and, 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 and they'd come and make a big prayer line and then I'd get up to pray for them and they'd be praying so loud and they'd be, God, in the name of Jesus, I just love you, Lord. I just, I just pass on. They don't need me to pray. They're praying. What'd they come for me to pray for if they're praying? You, you have to, when you go before God, you, God don't need you to scream at him. You need, you need wisdom to know how to operate in the battle that you're in. You wouldn't need armor if you weren't fighting for your life. You understand? And the devil wants to kill you and steal from you. When Jesus hung on the cross, we received Jesus. The devil lost all his authority to be able to kill, steal, and destroy. But he did not lose his power. So somebody that opens the door, somebody said, well, pastor, why does, why are there bad things happening to good people? Somebody's given the enemy power. Uh, and I'm just preaching. I'm just obeying God here. Uh, church of Christ in Azel, Texas, two years ago, an armed man came in the church and he was going to shoot. He shot, he was going to shoot the preacher and he shot one man there. And a, there was an usher that was armed and the, and the, and the usher shot him before he could kill anybody else. He was on his way to shoot the preacher and had been having words about it. The media made it out like the usher was the bad guy. And maybe the guy that was going to kill everybody was mentally unstable. We, we're too busy patting everybody on the back. Like I said the first night, how many times did David pray for Goliath? Zero. When Jesus walked into the, the cemetery and there's a crazy man, did he try to run him down and say, tell me your name. Let me know what your name is. Tell me about your family. Where you're from. What church do you go to? No, the demon spoke to Jesus and Jesus spoke to the demon and he had nothing to do with the man. If you're going to go to battle, somebody said, well, let's try to negotiate. The enemy's job is not to talk you to death. It's to kill, steal, and destroy. He's coming to take your life. He's coming to take your children. He's coming to take your health. And if God didn't say, let me make you a great moderator or let me make you a great person that can speak great wisdom so you can talk Satan. He said, let me give you the sword. Let me give this shield of faith. Let me let you put on the helmet of salvation. Because when you get down to pray, and I don't know about you, but when I get down to pray and I'm really in the battle, and tonight I'm in the battle. And when I'm in the battle, the only thing I know to do is, is I know to worship like I just did. I know to give things away like the Lord spoke to me to do on the way to church tonight. And I know to preach the gospel. So when you get down to pray, like you, sometimes the devil will start talking in your ear. He'll start dealing with your mind, your will, and your emotions. 
And that's when you have the helmet of salvation. That's when you have the word of God in your life and you're, you're, you're stabilized and you're not moved. The Bible says, think not that a man would receive anything from God when he's tossed like a wave in the ocean to and fro, not knowing where you do. The truth, you know the truth. And I, I said this on Thursday night. Somebody said, God's word is the truth. I believe it and that makes it so. That's a lie. God's worth is a truth whether you believe it or not. You don't have to get in agreement with it. It's good if you do. It's better for you if you get in agreement. But if you never get in agreement, God's word is still the truth. And it, and it is so. So it's valuable when you get down to pray that you know what you're praying and, you're, and what, you're, what you're standing and believing for. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it did rain. And we studied in 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse 1, where God said to Elijah, go tell Ahab to go eat and, eat and get him something to drink, because he's fixing to have a great smell of rain in the air. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. And then Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel, and he tells his, he tells his assistant, you go look. You go look in the clouds. If you're going if you're, if you're to get down to pray and you're not going to expect a miracle, don't waste your time. You're wasting your time, wasting your breath. Don't waste your time until you get down to pray. The Bible says that Elijah stuck his head between his na- knees. He got down to pray. And, and what I said to you on that week, and that deal was that Elijah, what God had told him in verse 1, in verse 41, God told him what he, he said, He's, God put the seed in him in verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. He said, it's about to rain. God said, it's about to rain. Go tell Ahab, it's about to rain. And then in verse 41, he says, he puts his head between his knees and he's giving birth to the seed that's put in him. Has got to when you get down to pray, you got to give birth to what you're believing for. The Bible says that Jesus' own sweat became his blood because when he began to pray, now that's work. That's not a gentle, that's not like, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul or whatever. You know what I mean? That's not that. Some, somebody said, uh, and it is really true. We take, somebody, the government will say, you can't have prayer in school. You can't have prayer. We don't want forced prayer and all that until there's a mass shooting. And then they say, we want our prayers to be there. They're hypocrites. That's hypocritical. You want God when somebody dies, but you don't want God all the time? Well, you're giving the enemy power and authority to step in. You're, the, you're doing that. We, we need to keep the enemy out. I would love for someone to research and find out before prayer was taken out of school in America, how many mass shootings did you have? Because you had guns. When I was a kid, and I graduated from Permian in 1980, I'm 61 years old, when I was a kid... You, I carried a gun. My gun was on my gun rack in the back of my pickup, and, and it was not a big deal. No, we didn't have handguns, or we didn't own a handgun, but I lived in the country. We had coyotes and foxes and rattlesnakes and different things, and, and I was, my dad told me explicitly, if a, cow, if, a calf's got a, if a coyote or a fox got a calf down, shoot them, kill them. It was not a bad thing. So there was lots more access to guns back then, so why didn't we have more mass shootings back then? Because we had prayer, real prayer. 
the very last thing that, that the Lord spoke to me about is understanding what the truth and what it really is to have it. And I, and I want to go over those things real quickly before I give you the last part. The principles of truth. Fundamentally, God's truth is fundamentally God's based knowledge, God's viewpoint. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's not the world. It's not the president. It's not the United States. It's Jehovah God. That's the principle. And, and that's, that's what it is. And, and uh, uh, we, truth is comprised of information and facts, but also includes the intent of God. And I said that to say that God is love, right? So why did God tell David to kill Goliath? Because David, because Goliath made himself an enemy against God. It's not when Goliath was born that God intended for him to die. But when you get on the side of the devil and you begin to curse God, you are going to die. You're going to die. It's, it's, and, and people need to fear God when they make fun of God, when they make fun of God's word, when they make fun of God's people. Not be afraid of God, but respect God's when I say that. And the book of Proverbs says to fear God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, where you begin to reverence the house of God. We've lost all reverence for the house of God. We've lost all reverence. Do you know Jewish people will not even say or spell the name God. When they write the name of God, G-O-D, they write G-D because the name God is so powerful, they don't believe that they're worthy enough to even write that name out. That's how much they respect God and who he is. If we had more respect for God, we had more respect for God. I don't know if you remember, but about... 25 or 30 years ago, some kids in Midland started committing suicide. Anybody remember that? It was at Midland Lee was the main place. And I think eight or nine people, teenagers, just started committing suicide. Hung themselves, put, got taped a hose onto a pipe, two of them, exhaust pipe, put it in the window, and they died. And the city of Midland, Midland, Texas, did not know what to do. And they called for they called for counselors that didn't help the suicide the spirit of death didn't talking the you don't talk the devil to death the last thing they did was they brought in an assembly god preacher who had been nearly burned up in the vietnam war named dave reaver and they opened up all the gymnasium at midland lee and midland high and they brought dave reaver and his side of his face got nearly blowed off and he's a and he can take his he can take his ear off, has an artificial ear, and you can't do anything about the scarring. But he talked about how he wanted to die. He was blowed to pieces from, from a chemical something, mustard gas or something, how he wanted to die, but how God kept him alive. And, and the city of Midland, the school district, said, we got to do something. And somebody said, let's bring this man in. He's a great Christian motivational speaker. And from that point on, no one else committed suicide. So we, you understand the seriousness of what we're, we're talking about. The truth includes the intent. Truth, truth has already been predetermined by God before you were ever born. Truth has been ex 
Truth must be accepted internally and acted on externally. When you put on the belt of truth, you have to accept it internally and then you have to act on it externally. And it, let, let me tell you this. This is something the Lord really showed me. If you really agree to do that and you make that your confession, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to put on the belt of truth. I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to put on the shoes of peace. You are going to be tested to see if you really do that. Someone's going to come in your life that day. Uh, I said this a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if I said it here. But I asked the Lord on a Saturday. I said, Lord, what do I do today? What I have did my devotions. I've done my I've been up for about two hours. I've read my Bible. I've prayed in the spirit. I've listened to worship. I've, I've done, God said to me, he said, when you've visited them in prison, you've done it unto me. When you've loved the little children, you've done it unto me. When you've fed the homeless or helped the poor, you've done it unto me. So immediately the Holy Ghost brought it to my mind. He brought it to my mind. A sister in church has a daughter that just went to prison. So I can't go to Huntsville on a Saturday. So I immediately messaged her. She sent me the, her inmate number, and I immediately wrote a letter. That was the way I visited. I got a phone call and said, Do you, would you like to go and eat breakfast? Went to eat breakfast at Gorelli's or whatever you call that place from the center. Two little boys were there, and, I, and they were just as just little boys, but they was bouncing from wall to wall. And so I got one of them. I picked him up. I just started holding him, started playing with him, let look at my phone, entertaining him. The other one come around, just had patience with them. And they begin, and I talked to them on their level. I'm real good about talking kid talk and child talk and baby talk. That's the only people that understand me. But anyway, uh, I started, and the Lord told me, you're doing this as unto them. I leave that place and I'm going 191 on, and getting off on 1788 to go back to Gardendale's where I live. And when I got to 1788, there was a homeless man. And I know a lot of homeless scams that you see all around everything. And I, I'm not one to, I don't, especially in our environment. But this man just said, I'm living out of my van, anything it helped. And the Lord said, give him some money. Said us, Okay. What am I doing this for, God? Because I, I want you to tell. He said, you're not just doing it for him. You're doing it for you. So I just obeyed the Lord, looked in my console, had $20, stuck it out there. And he said, praise God. He said, thank you. And so I just gave it to him. I said, here you go, buddy. And I said, and the Lord said to me, I, I said to God, why am I doing it for me? He says, because you won't ever be homeless. You understand? I'm planting a seed so I won't ever be homeless. That is getting the truth internally and letting it come out externally. That is Elijah getting, in verse 1, getting God said, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. And then in verse 41, he says, go seven times. And he got down and prayed and he gave birth to the seed that was in him and it came out of him. Amen. So I want you to, I want you to see that righteousness the breastplate of righteousness has been given to us to help us to do the job that we're called to do with the truth. You can't operate in the truth if you don't operate in righteousness because they, they work hand in hand. You understand? When you walk, operate in truth, you've got to have right standing with God. 
You know, somebody told me one time, he said, I cannot stand that person. I said, that's awful ugly. And he said, I can't stand them. They're, I don't like them. I don't want anything to do with them. And he said, and that's the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's not the truth. That's his opinion. But he used part of the Bible to say, that's not true. God created that person. And, and that person that said that to me, I said, you know, you're bitter. Later on, he had a lot of, tr and today his children will not, they're grown and he don't get to be around his grandchildren. You cannot, righteousness, listen to this, righteousness will not let one seed of bitterness live on the inside of you. Righteousness and bitterness, righteousness and disobedient to God will not operate together. I, I, this scripture came to my mind as I was sitting out in the truck today and I was thinking about tonight and this scripture came to my mind and, and it's in Mark chapter 11 uh, and it says, and, and, and a lot of faith preachers, including me, and I'm a faith preacher, it says, it, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he said, have faith in God, Jesus have faith in God, Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what he, they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whenever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive them, verse 24, and you will have what you've said. And then in verse 25, it says this, and this is vital. The other verse 23, 22, 24 does not work if you don't obey 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. You cannot ask, you cannot operate in righteousness and have bitterness. You can't do that. You can't, you can't get down to pray and think you're going to touch the hem of his garment if you're mad at everybody. You got to get rid of that. So righteousness, put, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, that helps you do your job. You, you, you know the truth, and the truth helps you. The breastplate will help you march into the battle, march into the ground. Remember when I said, and I hadn't said this tonight, prayer is earthly permission. Prayer is given heaven. Prayer is earthly permission for heavenly interference. God will not intervene unless you ask him. God will not. God told Elijah, go up and go up and tell Ahab. And then when he did, he said, you got to pray. And then Elijah prayed and it rained. You ask, you pray, then you get the results. And that's vital that you do that. And you cannot assume that God knows your heart. Some people say, well, God knows my heart. I don't have to do anything. You got to pray. If Jesus had to pray, you got to pray, and you have to know it. And then, then we understand about the shoes of peace and that that stabilizes is in that manner. Now, I want you to see this. This is about tonight. I went all through that, and I, I, we're recording this, right? And, and so I want you to see this because this was what the Lord said to me to tell you about, and, and you can write down these scriptures. These are some things that the Lord's been teaching me about putting on the armor so, so that I can get down to pray and I, my prayers affect things. They make a difference. I'm not, I said a long time ago in my life, in my ministry, and I am my biggest problem. I could pray for you and you can get out of a wheelchair. 
Sometimes I can't pray for myself because that I don't doubt God. I don't doubt God for you. Sometimes I doubt God that maybe he don't hear me. That's where the area, that's why I have to do this. That's why you have to do that. Somebody can call you and say, I need prayer. And you can go right to praying and everything like that. And then the devil can attack you. And how come you can't? The Bible says after 1 Kings chapter 18 and Elijah did all that, the Bible says the queen said, I, I can't stand that Elijah. I'm going to kill him. And Elijah had already, between verse 1 and verse 41, he had called down fire. He had, they, God had destroyed the prophets of Baal. Once again, God is love. He did not try to talk them into serving him. They were an enemy against God. God destroyed them. Elijah is standing there at the edge of the battle. He's standing there, and God's consuming the enemy, and Elijah's not afraid. And then a rumor gets told to Elijah, they can't stand you, and they're going to kill you. And he runs and hides under a tree. Where did he go from Abel to make it rain from three and a half years of drought, making, making, destroying false prophets, and he all of a sudden got scared over a rumor? You know how that happens? You got to constantly be putting on the armor of God. So here it is. When I put on the belt of truth, and you can get this and record this, but I'm going to give you a scripture in a minute. This is what I say. Dear Lord, your words tell me not to be anxious, but instead to give thanks. And, I, and you don't stop there. You go on to say that if I will obey you and align my heart and mine with your kingdom principles of giving thanks, I will enjoy many blessings. So the scripture is, the scripture is, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or anything, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you, you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things you do. And the God of peace will be with you. In giving thanks and thinking on good things rather than complaining. When you belt, put the belt of truth on, you're giving thanks. You're not complaining. And you're saying, I will experience both the peace of God and the God of peace. You understand that? One of, the, one of the Tuesday nights I preach, it seems like, or I taught this, I'm not preaching, I'm taught this, but it seems like churches are full of people that talk to men. And I think we need to be, t instead of, we need to, t we talk to men about God. But I think there needs to be more people talking to God about men. You know how do you talk to God? You pray. If you, if the church is full tomorrow night, what if we just said, it's vital that we pray? If we had a bad report, we heard a nuclear warhead, or we had a disease coming through, the church would get packed, and we would say, we need to pray. Because there's power in numbers, and there's power in prayer, right? So when you give thanks, 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, in giving thanks and thinking on good things rather than complaining, I will experience both the peace of God and the God of peace. I will have double, I will have a double return on what I do. Thank God in Christ's name I pray, amen. I put on the belt of truth. Number two, the putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Father, when I give thanks to you, I am responding to what you have done. I am placing my faith in your goodness and trusting in your sovereign wisdom overall. Although things may not look fine in every area of my life, I always have something to thank you for. The fact that I am still here or that you still have a plan for me or that you always provide for me. Righteousness, God of the the God of righteousness is a God of provide. He's a provider. And the scripture is from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12 through 14. It says, both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hands are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer to offer willingly for all things come from you and you own and your own we have given you all things come from God and every ounce of strength I have is a gift from God even my ability and my heart's desire to thank you is a result of God's inner prompting in my spirit thank you God for receiving my thanksgiving who am I and that I should be ab even able to offer thanksgiving. That's an that's a attitude of gratitude. You're, you're going before God in humility. What does the Bible say? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Who's the people turning? God's people. God said if the godly people will humble themselves first. You won't turn from wickedness until you offer up humility, until you have an attitude of gratitude. You cannot put on the breastplate of righteousness until you humble yourself realizing you need it. So give me, my gratitude comes from you, God. So please give me more of you so that I can give more back to you in Christ's name. There's a song by, I can't remember, Natalie Grant, and it, I love it. The verse said, the chorus says, let me want the healer more than the healing. Let me want the savior more than the saving. Let me want the, the giver more than the giving. People want, people focus on healing and getting saved and being blessed rather than seeking a healer and a savior and, and a, one that will bless you. If you seek the healer, you'll get the healing. But if you seek the healing, you're going to wonder where the healer is. Amen? So we have an attitude of gratitude. Second thing, it, the third thing, putting on the shoes of peace. Lord, it's easy to give thanks in times of blessings and security, but your word tells me to give thanks in times when I'd rather worry or be anxious. When Daniel faced a serious difficulty of decree and decree, he made a decision to not worship the other God, but to worship Jehovah God. And he said, he did not cower or fear or, be, or become combative. He didn't, Daniel didn't, 
he had shoes of peace on. So he didn't need to yell at Nebuchadnezzar or all those people. He didn't need to yell at them. He had the shoes of peace on. He had peace. And his decision was, in the same way with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm not eating your meat. I'm not drinking your, I'm not, I'm not worshiping your God. I'm worshiping the only true God. When the, when the enemy comes and you're about to get down to pray, if you put on the shoes of peace, you're just not worried. You're not focused. This scripture is Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, and it says, When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God that he had done what he had done previously. Father, help me to seek my to seek peace in my own heart in my relationship by giving thanks in seasons and situations that would normally cause me to complain in Jesus' name. Number four, taking up the shield of faith. Dear God, giving thanks in times of anxiety and fear is one of the greatest steps of faith I can take. In periods of lack or loss, I naturally want to complain, just as the Israelites did in the desert for so many years. To give thanks is to say directly to Satan, listen to this, you've picked up the shield of faith, and when you're giving thanks because you have that faith, you're, you're, you're saying directly to Satan that you trust Jehovah God. And God's goodness, I trust God's goodness. I have faith that God will bring me, bring out about my deliverance and my victory despite how things look or how I feel. You did not tell me to give thanks for all things. You told me to give thanks in all things. Listen to that. Somebody said, Pastor, we need to give thanks for all things. God didn't say that. He said, give thanks in everything. We're not supposed to give thanks for the attack, but in the attack, we can give thanks to God because he's God in the storm, right? The scripture is this, the scripture is this is it's is Philippians chapter four. I can do that. I can think I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You in the middle of my mess, God, you can turn my mess into a miracle. That's a lot to thank you. That's there is a lot to thank you for when I realize I'm giving thanks in a situation rather than for the situation. You understand when you when you pick up the shield of faith and you're praying and you get down to pray, you're not praying for the storm. You're praying in the storm that he's God in the storm. There's a big difference. You'd be really surprised how many people say, I thank you, Lord, for this storm. Why would you do that? Why would you say somebody say, I thank you, Lord, for cancer? He, he healed cancer. You would never do that. But there are people that think that makes them more humble. That doesn't make you more humble. That means you don't have truth on. God didn't say give thanks for everything. He said give thanks in everything when you're going through something. I thank you, God, for calling me to a higher level of faith through giving thanks in Christ's name. Amen. The fifth one, two more. Taking on the helmet of salvation. Lord, I thank you for making my victory secure. Thank you for not letting anything separate me 
from God. Meaning your mind is, I sing an old song because called, it's, it's an old spiritual called, it says there, ain't no harm to keep my mind on Jesus. Well, there ain't no harm to keep my mind on the Lord. Well, there ain't no harm to keep my mind on my Jesus. He's my friend. Amen. No harm to keep your mind on Jesus. When you have the helmet of salvation, you're going to keep your mind on the things of God. Here's a scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. In all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me or us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am not going to be defeated, and I'm not going to give up. Even through the circumstances, I find myself that looks like I'm on shaky ground and things are shaky on many level. I put my mind back on God, and I respond according to what the Word says. Please, please listen to this. When you get down to pray, don't beg God. Know what God has to say and then go bold. If you throw God's word back at him, he has to respond. If you throw God's word back at him, he has no choice but to respond to you. Here's the last, part, last one. Taking up the sword of the spirit. Lord, when I give you thanks, I am being obedient to your word. Your word says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18. And whatever you do in word or deed or do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, Colossians chapter three, verse 17. Satan no longer has victory over me because I have chosen the strategy of gratitude to God. I will, not, I will not complain. I will not say, God, where are you? I'm coming to say, God, thank you in the middle of my storm. Not thank you for the storm. Thank you in the middle of my storm. And now I've got the sword. You understand? I'm holding on to it because I'm making a decision of thanking him in that situation. I will not sin against, he said, Satan no longer has a victory over me because I have chosen strategy of gratitude. I will not sin against a good and gracious God by complaining. When you complain, you're sinning against a good and gracious God. He's your Savior. You don't want to do that. Instead, I give thanks to you, God, even when I cannot understand and even when things seem to be different from what I want. I thank you because I trust you and in all your ways, you're higher than mine. You have a bigger picture of what is truly going on, and I'm going to trust you. Your vantage point is greater than mine, so I'm going to be giving you thanks in times that cause me pain. I was going down the road one day. I was coming back from Austin, and I heard a verse in a song, and the Lord really speaks to me in music. And said, there's purpose in this pain. God didn't cause the pain. But God said, there's purpose in this pain. 
Find that. Here's my victory declaration. I want you to say this with me if you would. Pray and ask God to reveal any of your thoughts, beliefs, or words in which you have been complaining, grumbling, doubting, or questioning. For each example of ingratitude, look for a countering truth from God's Word. Say it like this now. Say, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to, real, to reveal any of my thoughts, my beliefs, or words in which I've been complaining, grumbling, doubting, or questioning. For each example of my ingratitude, I'm going to look for a counter-truth from God's Word, when I write the countering truth down, I can cross out the ingratitude. Amen? In Jesus' name. That ingratitude will no longer affect your life because you found something in the Word that is gratitude about your situation. Here's, here's a good one. It's the best one I ever heard. Satan came, not God. Satan came and stole everything Job had. He killed and stilled and destroyed. And Job's wife said, You're, look what your God has done. And Job said, if he slays me, I will praise him. And then Job got back more than he ever had before. All the preachers that like to preach what happened to Job and don't talk about, they, don't, they just talk about the bad and the gloom. They don't ever talk about that Job got more back than he ever had before. Here's an untruth. This is something that's not true. People say, I don't have everything I need to be truly happy or satisfied. Here's a truth from God's Word. God is able to make all grace abound in me so that always having all sufficiency in everything that I may have abundance for every good deed. Write this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Every time you think you don't have what you got, you need. Find this scripture and quote it. If you catch yourself like doubting, Wanda, why am I going through this? God is able to make, I want to read it again. Say that with me. When I don't have, or say it like this, say I do not have, Everything I need to be truly happy and satisfied, that's a lie. Say that. That's not true. Here's the truth. Say that with me. Say, here's the truth. God is able to make all grace abound to me so that, having, so that always having 
all sufficiency in everything I may have an abundance for every good deed. So now when you get down to pray, just on that scripture alone, when you get down to pray, you have an attitude of gratitude because you have everything you need for every deed you have to do. Amen? I love God's word. Let's just, let me just take your neighbor by the hand. Just bow your heads with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this, these four weeks. They've been such a blessing to me, and I hope to everyone that's came. Not everybody's got to come, but God, you're going to, even during this, this broadcast, as they put this back up there, you're speaking to people right now as they've heard, and they've been complaining but God, you're showing them that you're good and you're mighty and you're, you're magnificent. You're amazing, God, in everything you have for us today. Lord, I ask you just to pour out your spirit upon us. Now let us enter your gates with thanksgiving into your courts with praise. Holy Spirit, bring back to our remembrance these scriptures, these words that we have heard. There's, we can't remember all of this. But Holy Spirit, you can bring it back to our remembrance exactly when we need it. Lord, help us to put on the armor of God so that when we pray, the effectual fervent prayer of this righteous man avails much because we're coming into this battle prepared Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.